All right. Story lovers, here I am. I have Jacqueline Pareto with me. I'm so excited to have her here. She has a tale to tell. Jacqueline, tell us about yourself. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I predominantly write TV, film, uh, sketch comedy, and also theater. So I came in through this though, through acting here's a question that I like to ask. We'll just start with this then. Um, you know, at at some point in your life, you realized, okay, I'm not going to be a nine to fiver. Sure. Well, I majored English and journalism because I was like, I want to major in TV and I always love writing, but I was never a writer folks, never a writer, just majored in English and journalism. Um, then I got into acting. Um, I was still working a day job and I was booking TV stuff, but I was miserable. And then I made one of those ABC diversity showcases. I bombed so hard. I felt so flat on my face. I went in not knowing my lines almost oh, purpose. No. like, yeah. So when I bombed that audition, all my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, why would you self-sabotage? And literally it was like the voice of God telling me that day, like, um, that I want to be a writer. I hated the words that were written. It was a very famous TV show too. Writing is very hard. Um, but, uh, the way the woman was written, I literally was like, I can write better than this. And from that day on, I stopped auditioning and I only focused on writing. So that's like the short. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's funny because a lot of us come to it through acting and, um, and it's good when you come in through that door because you know what it's like to be on stage and have to live in with those words and speak, speak dialogue. You know, it's different when you come in through that, through that perspective. Yeah. And also write, writing really awesome, juicy roles. And like making your characters better. You're like, oh God, no, I'm, I need to give this person something to do. Like I need to torture this person more <laughs> as an actor. The, it's good. Every writer should take an acting class because it really teaches you like what it is to, you know, what the actor wants. And like, you want those meaty roles. You want to take them on a ride. So it's been really useful for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, okay. So you, um, you're, you're, you're writing, you decide you want to write and, uh, and what happens? So what's the first thing you, you say, okay, I'm going to sit down and write. What was it? Okay. So it's funny. The first thing I wrote really was this play. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just writing and I took an intro to playwriting class and I literally just wrote from my heart. Um, and then everyone was like, oh my God, like, you're using archetypes and you're using this, like all like this language we know now. And I was just like, I am tricking everyone. Cause I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I'm just really writing the story I had to tell in my heart. Okay. And the first thing I ever wrote was, you know, the Justin Bieber song, sorry, that yep. went viral with uh-huh. the girls dancing. Yep. Um, since I loved comedy, I rewrote the song to be called hangry. So I rewrote the lyrics about a girl being hungry, like being hangry. Um, cause even my girlfriends had like stage five hangry levels all the time. Right. And, um, so I wrote and produced that and then shot it. That's the first thing I actually wrote and produced on my own. And I had, again, no idea what I was doing. I thought the DP was a director. I was a director, but I didn't hold the camera. So I was like, guys, I'm not the director. Cause I don't hold the camera. And I right. wrote, was like, oh my God, <laughs> but that's the first thing I wrote, um, that was like film, you know? Yeah. And it was a five minute parody video and it was and- great. And you loved it. Yeah, that was, it was, it was a sketch, but the real first thing that I wrote was the play that got me into screencraft, which is crazy. So tell me about the play. That's how you and I met through the, through the writing workshop and bringing in your play. And it's, so it's just such a wonderful, a wonderful piece, certainly personal to you um, and, and getting the, you know, the authenticity of your culture on the page. Talk to me about that and how important that is to you and about the play itself. And then that journey. 
Yeah. So uh, my family's from Cuba. I'm the child of Cuban immigrants. Um, and I grew up in a predominantly white Jewish neighborhood. So naturally I'm a writer, <laughs> like really strict conservative immigrant parents and like very progressive liberal, like white friends. You just, right. that's it. That's it. You're, you're a writer immediately. You don't have to think about it. Um, yeah, it's always been, again, since like my, that's my world, that's my normal. A lot of my, the writing, the parents are usually Cuban or, you know, there's some sort of like Latino background and, um, identity is really important to me. And not so much like when we think identity nowadays, it's a lot of like race and gender and culture. It's more like who I want to be. I'm always writing about like what I need to shed Mm. in order to become, who I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And especially being the child of immigrants, that was like really um, prominent in my life. And it still is, mm. you know, all the traditions and stuff they instill in you and the culture, and then, you know, kind of defying that and then coming into your own, you know, like the old versus new world type of thing. Mm. Um, and this play was really inspired by a medical thing that happened to me, but then also the questions that came up when I was, uh, you know, it's kind of like a life or death situation being in the hospital and just really grappling with your family, uh, you know, life and death stuff, religion, all of that stuff. And it's really funny because originally I was like, I'm going to write exactly what happened to me. And it couldn't even be further from the truth. You can't write what happens to you. It could be a seed of an idea. And then from there, these characters just grow and it just kind of unravels on its own. Mm -hmm. And that's been an amazing journey in general. Talk to me about what you mean when you say you cannot write about exactly what happens to you. What's the what's the trap in that? And 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 that's interesting because I, I agree with you. So expound on that for a second. So the trap is my very astute playwriting teacher saw early on that it was definitely something that happened to me. She never asked. And um, she says, when you make the characters kind of like these carbon copies of people in your life, your parents, your family. You're going to make them do things that you wish they did for you. So you're going to make them want to like save you versus like letting this character discover themselves mm-hmm. versus honoring the character's journey and your imagination's journey. And that is the best, I think, piece of writing advice I've ever gotten because that freed me. And then from there, when she said that the father Cruz character came, Rajiv, like all these people came. Yeah. Versus, you know, just saying, I want to write about like, you know, these people that are inspired by my family. And it really allowed the story to breathe because we get so married to things and people. And it's like, you want to show people and your ex and like this revenge. And it's like, no, you just have to let things happen naturally and not be married. So yeah, that's, that's my, um, that's the biggest lesson I learned writing this for sure. I love that advice. You know, you said, um, you know, you have to, you can't, in other words, you can't write for healing, even though we do write for healing, right? Well, of course, that's what we do, right? But at some point, the craftsman has to step in and say, okay, now we got to take it away and make it into something that has a story. It's great. It's such great advice. Yeah. And then also with the feedback process. And if these people are like, carbon copies of your family, your loved ones. And someone's like, well, I think this person is this way. They make me feel this way. You're going to be so defensive. Again, you're not honoring the craft and you're not honoring Mm -hmm. the story. So it's best. Like, as someone said, you're these characters should be like the great, great, great grandkids of whoever you're trying to write about or talk about. Yeah. Like you recognize them a little bit, but like they're completely different people from like, you know, different generations and stuff. 
I love that advice. That's such good advice. I'm going to take that and run with it. Let me tell you, um, you know, something about your play that I was always fascinated with was the main character in the play is reading love in the time of the cholera, right? So tell me about why you chose that book and, and what that book means to you. The, the, for those of you who are listening in the play, the book is a real touchstone. Like she constantly goes back to the book and the book has, uh, has a lot of meaning for her and, and bonding with others about over the book. So talk to me just about that, but just because I'm a literature nerd, English nerd. So tell me. Wow. It's funny. Cause it's nothing I ever set out to do, but for me, I think like reading literature is so intimate. And when you find someone that likes the same book you do, it's like this cosmic connection. And it's, again, it's like so intimate and you're like, oh my God, this person, like they see my soul type of thing. And I wanted them to have that connection. And it kind yeah. of came up again, that was like the inspiration. And I had read it years ago when I only read it, like, I only read like half of it. So it's not like this book that was like this meaningful thing. There's something in it. And then of course the title love in the time of cholera, like love in the time of, you know, whatever, like this right. pandemic. And in the, you know, in the play, the main character, she's, you know, she's sick and struggling with um, something. So yeah, it really just came from like reading that book. And again, more of like the intimacy of mm. like what books do to us in literature. And again, I'm in, like, I'm obsessed with literature and I get very excited when someone likes the same book as me. I feel like we speak the same language and for them, I wanted them to speak the same language. Um, and then also just like the, the muses came and was like this book. Um, I love it. I love yeah. it. I just, I, I, I really appreciate um, the mashup of, um, of, of modern film and, and theater honoring the old literature where we all started with books. Cause really we all start with books, right? As a, as a little yeah. kid, we start reading the books and as a teenager, you're reading the books. It is so intimate, so intimate. So, yeah. So, so now, okay. So you, um, you write the play, you put the play into competitions. Talk to me about that. So that any playwrights we have out there, you know, what are we, what do we do with our work? We finish our work, we work on our work and then it sits there. What do we do with it? So talk to me about what you did with your play and where that went for you. Sure. The biggest thing I did, um, I, it's funny. I actually did like a sketch comedy festival with, um, hypocrite theater company. And it's just like, uh, independent theater company that mostly supports South Asian theater mm -hmm. and like, minorities. One of the directors read the play and she loved it. And then we had two play readings and we were about to do one off Broadway right before the pandemic. And then, you know, that, um, that happened. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, Sandor, I work for Sandor and Generation Borque. Mm -hmm. He, he played the dad in the play and he was like, uh, Bobby Moresco and Amanda Moresco need to see this. Like you need to be an actor shit. And I was like, who? And then I researched you guys. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, yes, I would love to like audition and go in. But okay. So in terms of, um, first of all, read it with your friends, do an informal thing, workshop it a bunch, try to find a theater company. And if you're not a theater company, a group of friends, you know, I workshop this with like three different groups of people. Mm -hmm. like one theater company that was legit. And then two other like writers workshops, meaning we rented a space like in Manhattan and it was 20 of us, you know, reading and workshopping the play. That's number one, really get it on it, like really hear it and get it on its feet mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. try to find people that you want to work with, hopefully that are connected in the theater community. And then from there, once it's really like well-developed, Mm -hmm. And everyone knows this, you know, when your play is well-developed or not, you know, when it's completely cooked, that's when you should start sending it to like Screencraft, Coverfly, the Eugene O'Neill theater. When you've given it all you've gotten and you've, you know, 
yeah. heard it out loud like 20 times, then yeah. then go. Yeah. Then submit it. Um, yeah. Don't submit half-baked work to these places because you kind of only get one shot. You know? Right. Um, yep. So I submitted to the Eugene O'Neill, the National Playwright Conference. I didn't mm-hmm. get in, mm-hmm. but then I submitted it to ScreenCraft, the stage play competition. And um, I made it to the semifinal round and then I made it to the top 50. And it was like out of thousands of plays. And that was amazing. And I got um, from there introduced to some really cool industry folks and even the people at Coverfly. And they've been so supportive and always keep me in mind for everything. And then also it was great because I um, I paid for the feedback and it was great too, to hear the feedback from strangers, you know, yes. that, that don't know anything about you, have never met you. That's really important too. I think you need obviously in person and to do with your friends. It's great, but you need a bunch of strangers that have no connection to you to read it um, and see what they say. And if all their feedback's the same, then take that and work on it. Exactly what I, I say that often, you know, you got to cast a wide net and then you look for the similarities in notes and you go, I can't ignore this. I'm getting this note from three different people. This is valid at, you know, that kind of thing. I, I love the acknowledgement that you have to have a fresh eye. And so, you know, yep. And we have to invest in ourselves. So even though the feedback can be expensive, it's an investment and and you have to be serious and you have to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to budget for this. Yeah. It's like building a house or a table too. Like, do you want, you want the best, uh, you know, the best materials build it. And if a carpenter tells a carpenter tells you that like a, a leg of the table is wobbly, wouldn't you listen to them? Right. Anything. You're a plumber. Anything. It's just when it comes to our writing, we get really defensive and it's personal, but you have to invest in it and kind of look at it, you know, with like a scientist eye and like kind of like a, you know, like a craftsman eye versus that this is something that you like, you know, you bled your heart on the page and we have to like get rid of that and stop thinking that way. Yes, exactly. You know, it, it is really about understanding that we're craftsmen um, and that while it comes from the heart, at the end of the day, we are crafting story and we have to honor that and not honor our egos, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. There's so much There's so much ego in it. And to do the best writing, you can't have ego. You need to be, you need to be in it and you need to, especially like your first few drafts, um, and especially when you're editing, you can't have the ego cause you're not going to serve the story. You're going to serve your own ego and making yourself, you know, feel good. And also you'll just won't have a career. I'm sorry. I'll just say, because no one's going to want to work with you. If you can't cooperate and you can't collaborate with people, no one's going to want to work with you because everyone's just going to try to make it better. And if you're, you know, really stubborn, um, and difficult, no one's going to want to play with you. It's like the playground. Like, I don't want to play with them. Mm, that's no. some of the best advice said on the podcast. Oh, God. So that is okay. for sure. You know, and, and it's not, not that you have to be a pushover or change your work, but you have to be collaborative. That, that, that's just such great advice, you know? So tell me about, um, generation poor K what now tell me about this. Tell me. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. So this was, I submitted this, it was a web series mm-hmm. and first, and it was that about you shot, you wrote and shot it. No, I wrote it first. Okay. I wrote, and I wrote like 12 episodes. So right. I sent it to the Sundance new voices lab in 2017. I sent the pilot episode and it's about this. Uh, it was inspired by my life about this girl, Jackie, who moves to New York to um, chase her dreams, but she's held back by her very, um, conservative Cuban parents that vote Republican live in New Jersey. Right. So it's like a fish out of water story. Yeah. 
type of thing. Sent it to Sundance. I made it to like the final round, which was crazy. It was the first like commercial success I ever had or got into anything, like any competition. By the way, I have a spreadsheet from 2017. It may have been the 50th competition I sent this to. Wow. See, so I just want to tell everyone. And it got in. And then um, I met a producer randomly at this like uh, panel and she read it and she was a child of Polish immigrants. And she's like, you need to make this into a 30 minute pilot. I was like, no, I'm filming this myself. And she's like, trust me, you have something here. And then I didn't, I, I didn't know how to write a TV pilot. So I rolled myself into class, learned how to write a TV pilot, learned all the structure. I can't tell you how many drafts I did for one whole year and sending it to different people, um, editing it, editing it. And then finally I was shopping around to actual like production companies, mm-hmm. pretty famous producers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, not the development hell, but people were kind of sitting on it or they wanted me to change things that I refused mm-hmm. to change because mm-hmm. it was compromising the integrity of the story. So I said, okay, I'm going to film this myself. <laughs> Never shot a pilot, barely had any money, but um, I ended up filming it and I got the cast I wanted to. That was another thing. People were like, oh, like we could do this, but we need like a name person or an actor. And I was like, I was so impatient. I'm like, no, I see this vision in my heart. I'm like, I know if people see it, they'll connect to it. And that'll be the end of it because you can't stop people from connecting to a piece of art. doesn't matter who you are. So mm-hmm. did that. And then I submitted it again to a million festivals. I submitted to series fest and out of all of them series fest, got it women in comedy festival and the LA comedy festival as their official selections, which was amazing series fest. Um, I won best actress in it. Cause Yay. I played the girl Jackie. Yay. Which was amazing. Um, and then from there, again, opened up so many doors. And then um, Women in Comedy Festival as well was sponsored by HBO. So they saw it. And then HBO Latino uh, licensed it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So this wasn't like, and again, I didn't, I have this idea. I started saying to people, like I enrolled myself in class. And again, I was like, okay, I guess I have to write a TV pilot. Um, and then, you know, I really worked on it and worked on it. And made it what what it was. And then I was able to film it. And then also the script was so good that I got, I was able to get Andrea Burns as the mom, which is like an amazing Broadway actress. You know what I mean? Like, and people believed in the vision, but also because I worked my butt off, I was super passionate, but they're also like, okay, I'm in a professional's hands, you know, like they're like, this is a great script. She knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's the key Mm -hmm. is having a great script. <laughs> yep. yep. And, and that's, that's the truth. And so, and so what, so, so let's see, what are the steps? The steps are to write something, workshop it so many times that you get amazing feedback and then you get a draft. That's amazing. Now you have the piece of material that you, that you are going to work with. Then you work your butt off to actually do something with it and get it made. And then when people see it, it's like you're handing them something on a silver platter and saying, here's what I've done for all of this time. You can, yeah. you can now, I'm, I've proven myself to be, like you said, a professional. You can count on me. This is what I've done. And, and unfortunately that's how hard it is. And that's the work that you have to put in. Yeah. And it is difficult and you have to have so much persistence, but you have to love it so much right. because this stuff takes so much time for me. I, I was like, if I don't tell this story, I'm going to die. I literally like emotionally, that's where I was at. That's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to just film this. Cause I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm like, I, I have to save the story. Yeah. Like you have to really love it. If you're going to, if you're trying to write something, I'll be so honest and try to like get famous out of it or think this is what the marketplace wants. 
you're never going to last because even if it does, first of all, it's not true to what you want to say. So you're going to feel like crap. And if not, you're going to waste a lot of time. You have to love it. And it has to come from your heart. And especially the first time writing something like even um, Gina by the wood, her first film was love and basketball. And that was super inspired by her life. That's one of my favorite films ever. Mm. And same thing. That's always her advice too. She's like, you have to write a super personal story that no one else can write. Mm-hmm. You know? And then for me, this was, I had to get this off my chest. I had to write the story. Um, right. You know, and it was also inspired by like my life in my journey, again, inspired, but then these characters were completely different from, you know, my life. And of course you create other ones. So that's just super important. You have to fall in love and you have to feel that passion and the other actors too, like they would read it and people were like, or even other agent and managers, even if they signed me, they're like, when I, when I read this script, I could tell you were dying to say something like you needed to say it. And that's what people connect to. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, talk to me. Okay. So I have two questions for you um, yes. in, in the vein of, of helping people, right. Helping, helping the listeners. Okay. Yes. So you said you shopped it around, you, you had it and then you went to, you brought it to production companies, right? How'd you get, how'd you get it onto the desks of the production companies? What was your in? So I worked with um, my producer, Dina Zoli, which is amazing. And she's like a line producer, UPM with a lot of TV shows. So she had a lot of connections with people as well. Also my own querying people. I also would go to film festivals, um, conventions. I would meet people, you know, tell them I'm a writer or whatever. And then I would pitch them or I would talk to them what I'm working on. And they'd be like, Oh, that sounds great. You can send it to me. And I would send it, you know, I right. never cold called anyone or anything. Um, the only time I did that was with my sketches, but that's already a piece of work that was done. And I was kind of pitching them to like magazines and like websites and stuff so they can feature them. Right. In terms of this script, like I, and it's funny cause I would get made fun of people cause I would go to festivals or like I went to the New York television festival and I had nothing in the festival, but I went and people were like, why are you here? And I was like, I want to meet people and learn and, uh, you know, uh, like learn from the best. And they were like, oh, well, you don't have anything here. You're kind of wasting your time. And literally everyone I met at the festival was like instrumental in helping me like create this pilot and shop it around. Yeah. So don't listen to anyone. Tell everyone, you know, that what you're doing, but also you have to build a reputation and a body of work before, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to introduce someone unless you can trust that someone. So people knew like Jackie has like a track record of creating her own work. We can trust her of writing. I don't mind introducing her to so-and-so because I know she's going to deliver. I know she would never send a crappy script. Right. Right. So like your word has to be impeccable and you have to have like a work, you know, you have to have a body of work. Yep. So that's my biggest thing. So anyone that met me or knew me, they were like, okay, like I can trust this girl. I can make these recommendations. I can make this email intro, set up this meeting because I know she actually has a legit piece of work. And she's, you know, she's filmed like 20 sketches and shorts. Like right. she knows what she's doing. Right. 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 So, yeah. So it's, it's a matter of this, if you're out there and you have this thing that you're writing and you don't have those connections yet, you're not ready. You're just not ready. Right. So you yeah. keep working and you keep, you keep yeah. reaching out, you go to workshops, go to film festivals, yeah. do whatever you have to do to put yourself in front of people. Then you meet people and then you prove yourself and, and eventually you will build up these connections. It's so great to hear this story, Jacqueline. I'll tell you why, because you hear the term networking. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people really understand what productive networking is, right? You think I'm going to meet you at a party and I'm going to make you notice me, right? (laughs) No, 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 no. No. 
Right. No. But that's the idea, right? That's what people think about networking. I'm going to, sh- I am going to wow you even like with my pitch. And it's not that at all. Networking is heal. I'm my work is going to prove my worth. And now yeah. I'm just going to present to you my work, not necessarily me as even a person, me as a, as a, as a writer, a reliable writer, someone who has a body of work that I could, that can prove who I am. And, and yeah, let's, let's link up and, you know, help each other is, is more like networking rather than going to the parties and meeting people and getting them to notice you. Right. It's. Oh, absolutely. And it's also like, again, I also just love people and meeting other people. So I would meet people and they'd be like, Oh my God, you're funny. And they'd be like, do you do comedy? I said, yeah, I actually do. And I'm working on this thing. And you would, you know, and that way, um, and also just say yeah, like you're building this industry is about building relationships too. Like at the end of the day, these are human beings and you're like building a relationship and you know, like a lot of people too, I see it. I mean, you, you've gone to parties with networking. You're like, Oh my God, this person just like wants something out of me, blah, blah. Versus like you meet people it's organic. You get a conversation, you know, you exchange information, what you do. And then from there, like, and some of these people have become like really close friends. And I've literally met them like my executive producer. I met her at a panel, like women in film panel. And like, from there, you know, she really believed in me and the same thing, like people. And again, I had the body of work already. Um, Like, what's the use of meeting? Let's say you meet like Steven Spielberg at a party and he's like, oh, you're a writer. I'd love to help you send me your script. You don't have a a script that's ready. I'm sorry, love. You're not going to, nothing's going to happen. Right. Exactly. No, it's true. It, it's it's true. You know, and it's it's one of the reasons why I do really love being back home in New York because it's just it seems to be an unspoken language. Where in LA, it seems to not be the spoken language at all. You know, like, you know, there's some weird thing that goes on. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you have to work and work and work and work until you have a bunch of different projects that you believe in that you can talk about. I said to my friend um, who's a successful producer once. I said, you know. Uh, and this was uh, years ago. And I said, you know, I have a really hard time talking about myself. And he goes, don't talk about yourself. Talk about your pro- the next project. And, I, and then it just clicked. And I was like, oh, my God. He's like, always have something new that you're working on that you can talk about. It's not about you. And and that was the best advice I ever got. So that's the advice I'm giving all of all of you out there listening is it's not about you. It's about your work ethic. It's about your, I hate to use the word brand. And also Amanda, even again, I'm so lucky because Generation Book gave me, you know, to HBO Max. And I've a lot of doors have opened and stuff. And literally every meeting I go to, and writers, you have to remember this too. Every meeting I go to is, oh my God, I loved it. I laughed so much. What else are you working on? If you're, you know what you're going to expect when you go to a meeting, what else are you working on? And you better have four projects or at least ideas about something because people invest in you, not a project. They invest you as a person, as a brand. Yes. So you have to be smart too. And also projects that you're excited about and love. You know, I always have like four other things I'm working on and not because like I'm trying to build a portfolio. I have a lot of ideas and I love doing this. So I have a bunch of stuff. So it's like, oh, I have a play. I'm working on this film, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and get ready to talk about it and be excited. People lean into passion and excitement. And so, right. So when you say brand, we're not also we're not talking about anything having to do with your clothes. Right. We're talking about what can you be counted on to deliver? 
This is who I am as a writer. This is my voice. I can, you can count on me to deliver this kind of thing. If you can hone that in, you're going to be so much better off than just saying I'm someone who can write anything. And maybe you are, maybe you are someone who, who has their feet in everything, everything, right. But just pick something and go in that direction and, and, and be a little bit focused that way. And I think that's um, a lot more helpful. Yeah. Like for me, I'm always like, I love, well, I have like a whole, first of all, I have an anecdote of how like I came out to my parents as a Democrat, right? (laughs) Don't spit at your water, man. So right away you're like, oh my God, this girl's, you know, funny. Like I love satire. So right away you're like, okay, she's kind of a little, you know, like bold in her writing. Um, And what else I say? I used to say like truth slayer, but just know what your work is. Like everything I do, I'm like, it's humor. It's like the three H's, humor, heart, and honesty. Amazing. Like, that, that's my writing. That's my That's pride. your brand. That's your brand. That's my brand. Yeah. And as writers for me too, what is it? Think about like a drink that like you, I don't know, that you love. Like my writing goes down like this, like a gin and tonic or like whatever. Love I'm like that. a shot of whiskey on a, you know, whatever, like that, that kind of stuff is, is helpful too, but you have to, but again, that only comes after years of knowing yourself and your voice and it has to come organically from you. And you have to know yourself because mm-hmm. if you don't know yourself and if you're not clear about who you are and what you write and what you like to write, people aren't going to invest in you or it's going to be unclear to others. I love it. It's such great advice. Here's something else I want to ask you. You mentioned mm-hmm. that in 2017, you had a spreadsheet and that, <laughs> right. I still have it. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about the spreadsheet, right? I don't think enough people know about the spreadsheet and how important it is to make a note of everywhere you go, who who read, if you can find out who read you, who you met at where, when, what you talked about. I mean, if you're if you're doing your job, you are going to meet and go to many, many, many. There's no possible way that you can possibly remember everything. So you make a spreadsheet and you say, This is where I submitted, this is did they accept me. If they accepted me, then they are looking for that kind of material. Put a star. Like, talk to me about your spreadsheet. Yeah, it's funny. And you know what's so funny? People made, would always make fun of me too. It's like, you have a spreadsheet? And I'm like, yeah, because I take the... I take this seriously. You have to look at it as a job. So I literally, starting from January to 2017 to December 2017, I had every single writing thing that I could submit to with the link, the date that's due, the price, because I was really broke at that time, the price, and then also the latest time I could submit it, what I submitted, like you said, who was on the jury that looked at everything. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. And that's, I literally, like I said, it was like 50 of them and it's tedious, but it kept, you know, kept me in line. And and then every time I submitted, I put a yellow line, I highlighted it. And that was so satisfying. And I would look at it. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, Oh my God, you submitted to like 10 things already this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so great to look back at too. And, but you have, I just started mine for 2021. I started at the end of December. And also this never stops. Like this is an ongoing, like this is welcome to the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yep. So guess Um, what? Your life is going to be one big spreadsheet. So so here's where it really comes in handy too, right? Okay. So here you are, you have a new project and you think, Mm -hmm. oh my God, it's going to be great for um, FX. FX is a perfect show for this, um, you know, um, uh, paid, but basic cable, right. It's paid, but basic cable show. It's wonderful. Let me see who, who runs, who's the head of development at F. Oh my God, Susie Q. Wait a minute. She read me. Where did she, then you go back to your spreadsheet and you say, what, what, when was she the judge back in 2017? She was a judge. Now, guess what? Now you have an in with Susie Q because your, your, your project was a finalist at the competition where she was a judge 
you now have a talking point with the development person at FX. You're not just a Joe Schmo off the street. My, Hey, I was a semifinalist in that competition that you judge. So when you get your in, you are, that's, that's a connection. Those things make huge differences yep. that all of a sudden it's not a cold call. And then also another thing I'm going to, I'm totally missing my playbook. Besides that, before I went to every festival event, I researched every single person that was going to be on the panel. I researched where they worked what they did before, who their assistants were, everything. So if I had a conversation, I was super ready. And I would tell people, oh my God, you know, so-and-so, can you tell them I'm going to be at the, like now leap, the Latino producer, like mm-hmm, association mm-hmm. festival every year in LA. Can you tell them? And everyone was always like, oh my God, sure. I'll like shoot them a text or an email that you're going to be there. I'll be like, cool. And then after the panel, I'll be like, Hey, so-and-so recommended, you know, to reach out, blah, blah, blah. That's what you do. And again, the world is small. So, but like, do your due diligence. And sometimes you only have one chance with these people and it shows effort. And like, you have to be specific and personal. You know how many people, you know how many cold calls and emails they get, but if you do, you know, like you do your research, set yourself up for success. So literally if people saw my spreadsheets and I still do that to this day and like, especially LinkedIn, LinkedIn is your friend. Look at who's the VP of this. Who's their coordinator? Who's the assistant? Where did they work before? Okay. They worked here before reach out to them. And most people, nine times out of 10, they want to help you. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have, we'll go back to the work product, especially if you have a work product that you're proud of and they know that like, you know what you're doing and that you're professional. Right. Right. And, and, and this goes without saying you hear this often, but it can't be said enough. Like if, if your brand is the three H's, well, you're not going to go introduce yourself to Kevin Feige at Marvel. That's not your thing. You're not going to, that's it. You're not going to be there. That's not you. So it's not like you just got to blindly network. You have to very specifically decide who am I right for? Who, not even who am I right for? Who can I help? Where, where are my projects help them the most? I have, um, I have a notes in my phone with all of the different projects that I'm working on because things get um, foggy, right? So before I'm going to meet, I scroll through and I say, okay, these are all, these are my projects, right? Because you think that you have this stuff in your head. You don't, you have to keep track of it, right? So I've got like a, a freaking list with 18 different things that I'm going, okay, here's, here's all of the things that I have that are in different various stages of development so that you, you always have it because you get flustered, right? So at the, so you go, oh my God, I'm about to meet this person. Let me scan my phone to see if she would like this, right? Think just that simple thing. Being like doing your research and being super organized and for yourself. And then also when you're talking to these people, don't be afraid and ask, do you mind if I take out my phone and take out notes? Do you mind if I take out my notebook? Because if they're like, listen, we love you and your voice, which is what I heard. We're not doing comedy right now, but we love your voice. We're looking for YA novels and sci-fi. And we're looking for like articles, IP. If you come across anything, write that down so you remember. And then you put that in your spreadsheet. What are they looking for? They are looking for this. So eventually, if one day you evolve to that, or you do have a project, you find yourself writing something like that, you can follow up with them, you know, and you have this connection. It's just like- being tailored, listening, and like being super focused um, and looking at this, every person you meet is an opportunity, you know, and a relationship and also a future collaborator too. And again, don't put people on a pedestal. People don't like that. You know, most of these people are your peers and just, you know, like act accordingly. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be the professional. I love it. Yeah. I think it's such a helpful conversation. This is gold. Um, so, so here you are, you're working your ass off. You've got stuff to show for it, right? What would you say if you went back to the, to the girl who bombed her showcase audition? What do you say to that girl? I just got chills. I would tell her to keep listening to that voice and keep going. What is it? Robert De Niro said this once, how it's the road isn't easy, but it's clear. And that's what your, your life is as a writer. Yeah. And don't worry about the outcome. Worry about being great and the craft and having fun. The minute I started leaning into myself, the minute I quit acting and like I started writing, you know, what I want to do in rolling classes, literally every single door that I ever wanted open, opened. And I didn't have to try so hard. I was just so be so busy working Mm. and making incredible stuff that like the doors are just going to open naturally for you. Mm -hmm. I love it. Jacqueline, I love it. Can't wait to see where everything goes. I can't wait till we're in person in a theater workshopping stuff again in real, you know, flesh and blood on the ground. (laughs) Anything you want to leave us with or tell us what's, what's next or, or what, or any other advice you have that you feel like you want to give? I'd love to hear it. Really lean into all the stuff that your body's like, don't worry about that. Like, I can't say that. Don't worry about that stuff. That's the stuff that we all feel inside too. So lean into that. There's, it's funny because before this um, conversation happens, I was thinking about how the stuff that made me like want to vomit or cry the most or laugh the most on the page when I was like, I'm going to get canceled. No one's ever going to talk to me. They're going to kick me out of this classroom. I am a failure. Any of those lines I wrote, those were like the most um, like important ones to a character or that people connected to the most that after people were like, wow, like that really hit me here. Um, Do that. (laughs) <laughs> like whatever you're avoiding writing, lean into that, you know, and especially it's something you're writing on spec that like no one's, uh, you know, paying for you to write. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. That's my biggest thing. Cause a lot of people, that's where people quit or they're like, Oh, I can't do that. Whatever your body's telling you, don't write that, write that and then follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the hardest advice to follow. It is. It is. But that's the thing when I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I can't believe I'm like, no, this is terrible. This is when you hear that voice, that means you're doing it's you're doing the right thing. That's where the gold is. That's why we pay money (laughs) to see theater and films for that. So like you have to do that mining for people. It's like you're mining for people. You're digging deep for others Mm. and you have to be willing to go there. You know, if you don't go there, your audience won't. You're digging deep for others. Ooh, that is such a great way to describe what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect perfect note to end on, I got to say. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah, give me um, all the links to all of your projects and I'll put them in the show notes so everybody can find all these wonderful things and see you. It's Generation Borges currently streaming on HBO Max. And then I have a bunch of stuff on my YouTube page and then I'm writing a bunch of stuff. So yeah. Do you have your, you have your, your, your comedy sketches are hilarious. Are they all on your YouTube page? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. Those are a lot of fun. They are. They're hilarious. (laughs) It's great stuff. 